Hello and welcome again to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm here as always with my father, David Jackson. Today we are moving into part two of Acts. We're going to start looking at Acts chapters 8 through to pretty much the end of chapter 15, where the mission and the church is expanding into Judea and Samaria. So, Dad, this kind of falls into this section that you talk about as a 40-year window. And can you just explain a bit about what that means? You actually just explained it to me, so I think we should get it in here nice and quickly so that people really understand what's happening throughout this part and really throughout the first chunk of Acts. Yeah, God is a teacher training people for life redeemed. And part of that training is that you do it in manageable steps. And he's a very loving, caring teacher. He's given... People who have grown up in the old covenant lifestyle, a 40-year window. So between Jesus' ascension and enthronement in heaven and the Holy Spirit coming, so you now have a new temple. The fulfillment of the temple is the body of Christ, the people who believe in Jesus. There, you've still got this empty building sitting on the top of a hill called a temple, and God isn't there. So God has moved into his people and he's been out of the box for 600 years. The Jews have got to adjust, Jewish Christians have got to adjust to this new covenant culture. The temple isn't going to come down for another 40 years. So in that period, 30 AD to 70 AD, there's this 40-year window where Jewish Christians begin to adjust to the fact that We're not under the old covenant anymore. All of those things are going to be blown away. So the priesthood's going to go, the temple's going to go, and we're going to adjust to being this new temple made of people who can, and all our boundaries between the holy land and other lands, those boundaries are gone. The boundary between Jew and Gentile is gone. Uh, All of these changes are, are going to be huge for a Jewish Christian. And so God has put this 40-year window in there. And I think there's no, it's not a coincidence that it's 40 years because we did the 40 years in the wilderness. You know, All of these are your time for training and adjustment before you get launched into whatever's happening next. So, yeah, we're about to go through that training process. Okay, so you know, part two here is going to take us through the inclusion of Samaritans. We're going to have a eunuch that joins us, uh, Paul as a persecuting Pharisee is going to come, and then Roman centurions, Greeks, you know, our first mission of Paul heading out into Asia, it's called, I think, in those days. And we're going to start to see heaps and heaps of Gentiles really join the church, which is going to peak with our issue of circumcision and whether or not people need to be circumcised to be Christian, essentially. So mm. let's start with Samaria. Dad, what's important about Samaria? What's the big stuff that's happening here? And why? why is... Samaritan is such a big problem. Isn't Samaria actually part of Israel? (laughs) (laughs) Samaria is supposed to be part of Israel. But the Jews, I think the Jews of that day would have preferred Gentiles to Samaritans. It comes under the heading of do you, you've got your enemy and then you've got the traitor. 
so in their eyes, the Samaritans had headed off to, um, had been taken captivity by the Assyrians. And while they were in Assyria, you end up with mixed marriages. The people who come back uh, and reoccupy the northern part of Israel are mixed race. And that already writes them off as far as the the pure Jews are concerned at the time. But their history behind that was terrible. These were the people who compromised their faith, worshipped idols, Baal. Um, they were the northern kingdom that broke away from the Davidic king. Pretty much they did everything obscene. And then they come back to the land and the Jews want nothing to do with them. They set up their own temple on Mount Gerizim. They rewrite the Torah. And that's pretty scandalous. And th there's all sorts of, of issues there. So to accept a Samaritan, so you can imagine a Jewish Christian in Jerusalem being asked to sit at the Lord's table next to a Samaritan and drink out of the same cup. Uh, it, it was that that was culture shock. Okay, so essentially we kind of need the Holy Spirit here to come and show the Jewish Christians that Samaritans are included. I mean. Even Jesus in his time wasn't overly friendly towards most of the Samaritans. <laughs> well, yeah, you. although he told parables that showed that a, a, a believing Samaritan would be kinder than an unbelieving you know, yeah. Pharisee but or priest at the time, uh, he did meet a Samaritan woman, and that led to a lot of people, I think, getting converted then. So this is, this is an exciting development. But to convince the Jerusalem Jewish Christians, you've got to send a delegation up there to investigate... They've got to witness these people receive the, the Holy Spirit. And then they go back and it, pretty much the attitude is, oh, well, if the Holy Spirit fills them, well, I guess we can't really object. <laughs> it's, there's, there's this lack of enthusiasm, if you like. Um, it's going to take time for that to grow. All right. And then we have a eunuch now that the Bible talks about as a Ethiopic eunuch, but we know that he comes from a city that is actually from current Sudan, so we're going to call him a Sudanese eunuch. Now, to start with, you know, what's he doing up in this area of the world to start with? And then we have a calling of a deacon to go and witness to him, and he gets converted and baptised. Why is why is this story included? Like, it's a, it's cool and crazy, but at the same time, you know, it's a one-off person event. Yeah. I think it harks back to the days when uh, when Solomon set up the temple and that people from the nations came to Solomon to learn wisdom. Uh, and this is, this is part of that prophetic model that the people are going to come to the temple to get their head on straight, to live in God's world, God's way. So in Solomon's day, it was the Queen of Sheba. Uh, so she was the Queen of the Arabs. And we know that her kingdom capital is just north of Yemen uh, in Saudi Arabia. So she comes to Solomon and sees his wisdom and is in awe of what God has done. Here we've got a Sudanese fellow, uh, and he's traveling a long distance at great expense. When he goes to the temple, he's not allowed in. Uh, a, he's black. B, he's been castrated. So he's not a man who's allowed to go into the court. He can stand outside the door. So imagine coming you know, thousands of kilometres to be told you can stand outside and pray. And he's come to buy the scriptures. You're looking at six months to a year's money to buy a copy of Isaiah. 
imagine that for all of us who can just get on our phone and read our Bible. <laughs> so he's travelled great trouble to get a hold of the Word of God. It's from what we can gather from the reading, it's in Greek. So he's reading it in his third language, and the guy is sitting there puzzling. And along comes Philip by God's planning, mm. explains to him it's all about Jesus. The guy can't get out of the chariot quick enough to get baptised and commit himself. And we're just seeing the fulfilment over that thousand years of people coming to the temple. But the temple isn't a building. In this case, the temple's Philip and the scriptures. Uh, and I just love this bit. Like he, he jumps in, he's reading Isaiah 52 to 53, talks about the suffering servant. He gets that all clear, gets baptised, he's become a believer, gets back in his chariot, Philip goes home, and he just reads the next page. And on the very next page you get Isaiah 56, 4, I love this, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, who chooses what pleases me and holds fast my covenant, to them I'll give in my house, that's my family, and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. He's going to be fully adopted into the family of God and his name will never perish, even though we don't know his name. <laughs> We're going to find out his name when we get to glory. But this in Hebrew, it's this concept of a memorial and a name. Yad Vashem is the phrase. And it's in, if you go to Jerusalem, there's a big memorial there called Yad Vashem and it's the memorial to the Holocaust. And their burden is to keep the name of every victim alive. And there are six million folders there with everything they know about those victims. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and it gives you a little picture of, you know, we're going to meet this eunuch and he's going to have a name because he's part of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do that, uh, you can imagine his emotion as he sits in the chariot reading that. <laughs> okay, so now... God's going to challenge them in a different way. We've just included, you know, uh, Samaritans who, you know, they're betrayers and all that kind of stuff. They've ditched the uh, old covenant, essentially, and created their own new one. <laughs> and we have the Sudanese guy who's faithful, at least, and, you know, he's mm-hmm. seeking God and all those kind of stuff. But then we get Saul, who, you know, is also called Paul, and he's been persecuting the church. He's out to get them. He's put people in prison. He's standing by as Stephen gets stoned to death. And yet, that's the person that Jesus is going to choose to actually appear to himself on a, on the road to Damascus. Why, why, why Saul? <laughs> yeah, I said God's a teacher, so he, he sets aside a bloke who's going to spend, I think, twelve years training under the greatest biblical scholar of the age, other than Jesus, and that was Gamaliel. And Saul has been apprenticed to him. Uh, Saul's about 30 years old when Stephen's stoned to death. And uh, so now you've got a, a really solid Bible scholar on your hands who knows his Old Testament. He would be equipped well to teach. But the next thing this fellow needs to learn is grace. And the problem is he's been raised in a culture that is all about works and pride and he has every reason to be the most arrogant, proud Pharisee you could imagine. Yeah, he lists lots of reasons why he could boast, but chooses yeah. not to. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to humble the beggar, right? So he's gone out there and he has actually brought Christian people uh, to trial and to be executed. Mm. So we find out later on that some of these people that he arrested were actually killed. 
Now, that man who killed God's people is going to meet Jesus, the risen Jesus. He's going to have his own little resurrection encounter. And in that, he's going to learn what it means to be forgiven. He's going to learn what grace is all about. Jesus said, he who is forgiven little loves little. This guy is going to be humbled powerfully, and that's going to equip him to teach grace in a way that maybe somebody else wouldn't appreciate. Mm. So we're going to have a, a very powerful, not just you know this great academic scholar and this very effective teacher, but we're going to have somebody who has been brought to the foot of the cross big time. Problem is... How do you welcome a person like that into the church if he killed your sister? We're asking the church to welcome a man who murdered members of our family. So we've welcomed a Samaritan, a black man who's been castrated. That's small time compared to welcoming this fella. And God is saying, yeah, but you've been forgiven of the same crime. You murdered Jesus. Hmm. How can you not welcome the man who murdered your sister who's been saved by grace? Anyway, God does a good job of uh, showing us how to, to welcome Saul. That, yeah, his conversion is a massive event. It's very powerful as you read through it and understand the gravity of everything that's going on in the sense of you know what he's turning away from, what he's giving up, who he's coming to, the the confrontation and then having you know people from Damascus actually have to come and pray for him for him to have his eyes opened and then he just goes straight into preaching and teaching and runs off and learns everything off in Asia afterwards yeah. I guess for for quite a while before he comes back into the storyline of of Acts so that brings us to the end of episode 24 if you would like the show notes for this episode, please head over to trainingforliferedeemed.com slash 24. You can grab the study notes there to go a bit deeper into this section of Acts. We hope that if you enjoyed this, you will subscribe. And please, you know, if you're really enjoying it, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you in that way. And we hope that you'll also come back and join us next week as we... Wednesday. Yeah. This week, this week, we're doing multiple episodes per week now. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> come and join us as we look into episode 25, and we're going to look at the Centurion, the Greeks in Antioch, and Herod. So come and join us for that.